0: Welcome to the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast, where we unite with Christ to combat the shame surrounding young women struggling with pornography, and share our stories and insights to gather more tools and weapons to fortify our stance on the front lines in the war against pornography. All right. Welcome to this next episode of the Sisters on the Frontlines podcast. Today we are doing a story episode, which I'm so excited for. These ones have become fewer and farther between, and so we need more. And so I always plug at the end of the podcast, but for this one I'm gonna plug at the beginning. If you have a story to share, please reach out to me, sistersonthefrontlines at gmail.com or sisters on the frontlines just on Instagram. I would love to hear from you, even if you don't feel comfortable enough to share your story on a podcast yet. I just like to hear the stories and I love talking to people, so feel free to reach out to me. But yeah, without further ado, we are joined today by Hannah. She is awesome. Hannah, why don't you give us a little introduction to who you are?
1: Hello. So I am Hannah. I am 27 years old and I have two little kids. That's kind of my life right now. I'm a mom. I feel like I'm older than maybe some of the people like that you typically talk to. So just bear with me. I feel like an oldie now. But yeah, I got two little kids, a year and a half and four. And I have been married for almost five years now. So yeah, I served a mission in Paraguay and I... That's kind of my life right now. I'm studying and just being a mom, so not not a lot of fun here.
0: <laughs> how fun. No, that's a good life. Two little kids, so fun. Can't get better yeah. than that. What are you studying? I didn't ask you when we called.
1: Yeah, so I am studying elementary education.
0: Elementary um, education. Oh, that would yep. make sense. Yep.
1: <laughs> I hope to work actually with teenagers, so I want to do middle school, like sixth, seventh grade. That's like my, my dream. I love that, that age group.
0: <laughs> oh, how cool. I yeah, love it. They so are fun. cool kids. Good. Well, I'm excited for you. I can see you like just from our initial call before this, usually just for listeners, I usually call the people before. And just from our initial call, I can tell she's got so much love in her heart and you do great as a teacher.
1: (laughs) I really hope so. It's a little scary, but it's
0: fine. Well, sweet. Well, let's just honestly, for these story episodes, I just kind of like to have you take the reins. And so you start with your story like as far as pornography goes start it wherever you would like and and we'll take it from there I'll I'll probably interrupt you but but yeah
1: no please interrupt let's (laughs) because I don't always tell things very well but yeah so I my first exposure to pornography I was 11 years old and thinking back now and looking at little kids I'm like oh my gosh they're so little but that is about when they're people are becoming exposed this was back before like smartphones or everyone having a laptop. I mean, we had a family computer in in the room, in the living room. And it happened by surprise. There was a pop-up. And I don't even even know if y'all know what those are, but like (laughs) ads or, you know, spammy Mm -hmm. things pop up on the computer screen. And one was pornographic in nature. And I was shocked. I was actually really scared at first. and I clicked out of it, but I didn't tell anybody. I just clicked out and kind of ran. But over those next few weeks, I kind of started thinking about it more and was a lot more curious, I think. It wasn't from anything bad, but I just was a lot more curious and was telling a friend about it. So she came over to my house and when my parents weren't there, we looked up pornography and we spent the weekend kind of looking. And it was, again, more of a curious thing and it just it just piqued our interest. So we looked, but then... I felt so guilty I actually like threw up and told my mom and I was so embarrassed and
0: and this is all this is all like the timeline this is all at 11 years old and I I want to ask you before had you known like like I guess 11 years old had you had quote-unquote like the talk or did you know what you were even seeing like did you know what porn even was like what was the dialogue around that
1: yeah, no, actually, I hadn't. I I mean, parents kind of talk, you know, about your bodies are your own. I had been molested when I was a child, so trigger warning for anyone that might be listening. So I kind of knew that, you know, our bodies were ours and, you know, consent and things like that, but there really wasn't much of a sex talk beyond kind of like, here's what happened to you, and then I never wanted to talk about it again. And so I we really just avoided the topics surrounding sex and bodies, and sometimes I think that because... I didn't know how to process it, and I hadn't talked about it with my parents beyond that. And they didn't really approach it with me in in a way that is informative. I think that kind of opened the door. This was a way for me to control the narrative, if that makes sense. And so I really, I didn't know what pornography was, like I didn't know that people would take pictures of it and put it Mm -hmm. online or things like that. And so seeing it in that way, it just kind of piqued my interest. But, after that, because I felt so guilty, I talked to my mom, and she kind of talked to me about it, and you know told me that those weren't good pictures. you know, don't look at that. And then she told me, we need to go talk to the bishop now. And I was horrified. I was so little, I didn't want mm. to do that at eleven years old. And so I told her I would I was not going to do it. And I just promised I would never do it again. I'm never going to look again. We're done. Um, and she left it alone. And for a few years, those things would kind of come back to my mind, but the embarrassment and the shame of of it all about bodies and just seeing it, and then the potential of having to talk to someone else about it, mm-hmm. I didn't look at it or or view anymore. Until a few years later, kind of similar. I was now in high school. I was now sixteen. Had a smartphone at this point. They came out and. A similar thing, I was completely innocently on, on a different website and came across it. And it just brought back all of those feelings. But then there was also kind of, I don't even know how to explain it. But I, it's like, I immediately was just hooked pretty mm-hmm. much from that mm-hmm. point on. It went from zero to 100, pretty mm-hmm. much overnight. I um, started out kind of small and I didn't want to look at the pictures, but I would start reading some inappropriate um, stories and things that people had written, and then that did kind of start to go into spicier pictures, and then it went into full full blown pornography issues that mm-hmm. I was going every day. I got depressed, I got sad, and that kind of fueled the usage. Is just I continue to kind of spiral down.
0: Yeah. Let me let me ask. So this yeah. is. I was, if you notice, I was looking down at my phone. I was doing the math of what year were you 11? It was 2007. (laughs) And because I was trying to think of like, okay, at what point is like, like, where is the internet at this point? Like, how advanced are we in that and and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Um, And then I guess, so then at 16, what is that? 2012. Yeah. So I'm also thinking as far as this conversation happening like in the LDS cur- culture was that even happening even from like a boy's perspective like did you even know that like boys struggled with pornography let alone girls struggling with it what was like your your take on that i guess so at 11, no. I didn't know anyone dealt with it. <laughs> um, anyone, anyone, period. Not even, not boys. Yeah. Like it's- Wow. Okay. To
1: me, I mean, yeah, it's not something that I knew anyone, anyone my age, anything. When I hit 16, I think it kind of started coming out more, you know, they would talk in young men's, young women's about the dangers of pornography. But a lot of times it was kind of like when they would talk about it in young women's, it was- I know none of you guys are struggling with this, yeah. but we still need to talk about it because, you know, it's it's out there. And maybe some days someone that you love will struggle with it. And right. Wow,
0: that sounds extremely familiar. <laughs> familiar? <laughs> yeah.
1: I, unfortunately, I think that's kind of a lot of what women and girls were hearing at that time. That yeah. you're not going to deal with it. It's not something you're going to have to struggle with. But you do need to know because boys will. And Mm -hmm. that was, that was really damaging to hear. And I think it kind of played in, especially when I was like 16, 17. I think it kind of played in again to the shame that made me continue to spiral downwards. I was like, oh gosh, I am the only girl dealing with this. I am gross. I, it just, it was really embarrassing and was not something I was going to talk to anybody about at that time.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Like, just as I've noticed hearing these stories, like we all have so many parallels and we were all going through like the exact same thing. And I also just want to mention, like, I try to bring this up every time I because I, I mentioned the same thing of my young women le- women's leaders said, hey, we know that you guys don't struggle with this, but just make sure you listen because like you can help your future spouse or, like, you know, boys are going to struggle with it, right, Mm -hmm. and I just also want to mention for anyone listening, like, if that is your experience, like, please don't, don't harbor negative feelings for those young women's leaders, and Hannah's nodding her head, too, and I know we both fully, fully agree with that, but, um, I think that they were just doing the best that they could and and really had actually good intentions with with saying that but it just ended up being a damaging thing in the long run and so so much love for all of the young women's leaders like we get it and it's okay and we forgive you and and but yeah just wanted to like to mention that for for any young women's leaders who feel like oh my gosh what if what have I done like you're okay yeah. promise
1: Well, kind of with that, like you said, I I don't think that they knew because it wasn't really talked about. This pornography really, I know it's been going on forever, but as far as like with the internet and the effects it's having on our youth, it is kind of a fairly newer issue, I would say. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I think that if you have like young women's leaders that are maybe like my generation, maybe a little bit older, but and newer, I think that we're going to try and change the, the Oh gosh, I can't even think, but like change the topic around it. Like it the
0: dialogue sense. around yeah, it? Like the
1: dialogue, exactly dialogue, That's what right. I was thinking of. Because a lot more girls are struggling with it. A lot more boys are struggling with it. But it doesn't have to be seen as some evil thing that makes you horrible or disgusting or, or unworthy of the love of God or anyone else. A hundred percent. But yeah, that was kind of my experience. They, you know, none of you guys struggle with it, which made me feel worse. And mm-hmm. I started to really kind of back away from the gospel at that point. I was still kind of going to church, so I was physically in the church, but my heart was not in it. I hated how it made me feel. I hated going to church and feeling like a hypocrite, which none of these things were true. It just, it was how it was talked about and and presented. Mm -hmm. So for a couple years there, I struggled. Yeah, my junior and senior year of high school, I struggled big time. And it was definitely out of control. And during that time too, my parents divorced. We had some major family changes. We moved. High school is hard as it is. <laughs> with all of these things, and it seemed like porn was the one constant mm-hmm. and the one thing that I could go to to get a temporary sense of relief. Mm-hmm. And now I realized I was using it as a coping mechanism, and I wasn't, I wasn't using pornography out of disobedience to the God to God's commandments or to god's desires i was using it out of weakness and out of a need for acceptance and for control Mm -hmm. and i just i wish i could go back and hug myself and tell her tell myself that i was not this evil gross person
0: yeah a hundred percent
1: i feel like i'm totally butchering this but I
0: no you're fine this is how yeah no this (laughs) is just fine this is exactly like and and your story sounds very great like timeline-wise, you're doing just fine. I promise. Like, don't stress <laughs> about it. But I get how you're feeling right now. I feel the same way where I'm like, I'm like, boom, boom, boom. But like, well, hearing I'm it from... Dead. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> hearing it from my perspective, it's totally sounding fine, just so you know. Because I, I do the same thing with like, like, I have ADD. And so...
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't want to sound rambly, which I can get. So I'm like, okay. How do I make this, this? You're move? totally
0: fine. You're totally fine. Yeah, See, so I, I was gonna...
1: Yeah, if you have other questions, please. I yeah.
0: There. <laughs> uh, I So you said, like, I hated going to church and feeling like a hypocrite. And I want you to kind of, like, elaborate on that because I know that, like, I felt the same way. I know a lot of people have felt the same way, whether they're struggling with if it's pornography or otherwise. But it's always so interesting to me because, like, quite literally none of us are perfect and the expectation is never for us to be perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but we always are like, Oh, like, can I go to church? Like, can I do this? So I guess, yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? And how did that feel for you?
1: As when I was in it, I definitely felt like a hypocrite because I was going weekly and I was taking the sacrament and I, would always have like those you know don't take the sacrament unworthily you'll burn and fire hell. whatever i would always have those kinds of thoughts in my mind like you're not taking this worthily and that that's gonna make god even more mad at you and so i i always i would still take it but the whole time i just felt awful about it i was like i hate this because i did have a testimony during that time I tried to pretend I didn't. I tried to tell myself, you don't believe this. That's why you're doing this. But I always felt very upset and sad when I would have to take the sacrament because I knew that I wasn't in my heart feeling like I was worthy of taking it. Mm. But as I got older and I look back, it's, I, and my understanding of the atonement and sacrament and everything has changed. I've come to realize that I wasn't a hypocrite. I was just, I was doing the best that I could with what I had. Like mm. I said, Viewing the pornography wasn't out of a, a desire to be disobedient or rebellious. It was truly a weakness and a way mm-hmm. to escape the struggles that were going on around, which we all have. Teen- Being a teenager is hard, it is very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense that someone's going to turn to something that makes them feel good and makes them feel happy, even if it's temporarily and it's not like, true happiness, yeah. Uh, if that makes sense, and if that answers yeah. the
0: question. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's so, like, easily accessible. Yeah, I love, like yeah. you mentioned, it was, it was a weakness, and I think that's an interesting, like, distinction that we need to make is, like, the weakness versus the sin, like, were you – you said like, I'm not like openly rebelling against God or I'm not, or you know what I mean? Like, you're not doing this to be like, ha, I'll prove it to you, God. Like you didn't feel like you had a place to turn. And at that time, especially like what, like it would have been what, like 2012, like as far as like actual resources for that, like legitimate resources, other than, which- Okay, I say this, but I preface it by saying these things are awesome. Please still do these things. Mm-hmm. Other than okay, just make sure you uh, pray and read your scriptures more, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, other than that, there just weren't resources, right? It's for for girls, yeah, especially <laughs> for girls. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, we're still we're working on it. <laughs> we're working we're on starting it. Start with
1: something like this podcast. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> where we're talking more openly, like breaking down the shame
0: totally. cycle. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, hundred percent. Oh, sorry. No.
1: No, you're good. Over time, you know, the opposite of shame is connection. Mm-hmm. And so talking about the stories and connecting with other people that are going through that, whether they're mm-hmm. still actively like stuck in it, or whether they're a 100 years, you know, past it, I don't really enjoy right. saying the word clean or sober. I
0: or know. Country. I'm the same way. I never know what to say in those instances. But no, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah.
1: So whether you're like a 100 years, you know, without having looked at it connecting with other people is going to be the biggest antidote or one of the biggest antidotes alongside things like praying reading your scriptures going to church mm-hmm. but for me connection is one of the biggest things mm-hmm. uh, to get over it so, yeah i struggled from from then on and Graduated and still was struggling with it. And then people started coming up to me and being like, You should serve a mission. Hey, have you thought about a mission? And at this time, I pretty much kind of stopped going to church. Like I was still kind of here and there, but people come up all the time, Have you thought about a mission? Going on a mission? Mm. I'm like, Guys, I don't even believe in the church anymore. (laughs) Yeah, but I always felt this like, little tug at my heart. And it was like, you you do want this. You do want this. You know the church is true. Mm-hmm. You know you're meant to teach others. You've had a goal of a mission since you were a little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but I would always be like, no, no, no. I don't believe it anymore. And looking back, I, I'm like, You should have just been honest with yourself, (laughs) maybe even been honest with others, because that could have taken away a lot of like the heartache if you had been honest about what was really going on. But one night, I just had a really strong spiritual experience, and I was told that you know struggling with pornography was not going to keep me from my goal of a mission, but that I needed to utilize the atonement. I had to put my faith in God. That one, he could make my weak things strong. So he could take my weakness in viewing pornography and turn it into somewhat of a positive. And I didn't know how that was going to be because when I was in the depths of it all, there was no positives around. There was no light at the end of the tunnel or so I thought. Yeah. But with that first step, I was like, okay, God, I was like, if you help me, then I will serve a mission. And just the confirmation I got was you've got you've to do your part, but I will do the rest. So I made an appointment to meet with my bishop, and that was the scariest thing I have ever done. That was terrifying. I was yeah. 18 years old. I had never met with him before for anything other than, you know, yearly, we're doing good, good. interviews, yeah. <laughs> which I would also always be like, yep, nothing's going on in my life, ha, ha. even though I was definitely struggling. Mm-hmm. But I talked to him, and he was filled with a lot of love. Again, he didn't really know how to think how to handle a girl coming to him. Yeah. Um, so I – you know i'm sure that i'm not the first girl or the only girl he's talked to about this but it felt like it and i could tell he kind of was like let's see where to go from here <laughs> yeah but he did his best and he would meet with me weekly to see how i was going and Aww. honestly again the connection is the, was the first step once i had it out in the open and it was no longer something that i was dealing with alone mm-hmm. it was a lot easier to have a little bit more control I was not perfect. And I was able to go on my mission, which was a beautiful experience. And I didn't struggle at all from the time that I talked to him until I got home from my mission. And then when I got home, life hit and I went back to some bad coping mechanisms and I started to struggle again. Mm-hmm. I was like, dang it. Like I went on a mission. I taught people about the atonement. I told God I would go on a mission if he took this from me. This is so frustrating and mm-hmm. I was heartbroken. And one day I was, it was so funny because I was sitting in my room and I was like, should I text my bishop and meet with him? Should I not? No, I don't want to meet with him. like, I just, again, so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And my phone popped up and who was it? It was my bishop. Wow. Just, hey, really? Hey, I haven't met with you in a while. And this was a different bishop by the time. At this okay. time. I should preface that. I moved, my family moved when I was on my mission. So yeah. I went home to a completely new state um, and was in a YSA at this point. Gotcha. And so the bishop just, he was inspired by God, texted and was like, hey, let's meet. I just haven't met you like one-on-one in a while. So I knew God was keeping his promise that he would wow. help me turn weak things into strong things. I met with that bishop and it was it was beautiful. Again, he told me that my efforts as a missionary hadn't been in vain just because I have this weakness. He told me that I wasn't going to lose out on blessings again because of a weakness that this was something that I needed to learn how to handle but that didn't change my worth as a person or as a daughter of God and that God wasn't judging me for it if that makes sense
0: yeah so yeah (laughs) oh (laughs) what a beautiful story like there's just so many you can totally just see God's hand throughout I've I've just been curious this whole time to ask you said that you Mm -hmm kind of were like oh like I you know I've stopped believing like I'm good of course I'm not gonna serve a mission like you know (laughs) stuff like that so you said you stopped believing what did you have a relationship with with God at that point or where did your beliefs fall and did did pornography play at all a part in that sorry that was like three questions in in one
1: (laughs) no yeah you're totally good and they all kind of work together so I that whole time I know I believed in God. I believed in the gospel. But I, I was telling myself that because I couldn't deal with the shame and the embarrassment mm-hmm. of being what I thought was the only girl struggling with pornography or just dealing with pornography in general. Mm-hmm. And so rather than come to terms with the fact that I needed to do something about it, I just was like, nope, I don't believe in God. I don't mm-hmm. believe in Jesus. I don't believe in the church. Because yeah. it was easier than actually saying I do. And he knows what I'm going through. And that's almost worse because he knows what I'm going through. And right. this is a terrible thing in my mind. I was like, in my mind, this was the worst thing next to murder. And I was so scared that God knew. So uh, you had other questions in there and I'm trying to remember what they no, you're were. No, you
0: good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you answered them. Yeah. Like, did you have a relationship got- with God? How did pornography play into that? I think no. I think you honestly hit that on the head. That was perfect.
1: Yeah i I don't think that I would have had the the faith crisis struggles or if if it hadn't been for the pornography. Hmm. Um, And I always and for a long time I kind of felt abandoned by God, but I also felt scared of God and I didn't want to have to face him. (laughs) So I would try and hide it and run the other direction. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. No, that makes complete sense. Makes complete sense. Well, that's cool. Okay, I want to kind of ask you because you're 27 years old. You are, are you the oldest? Yeah, the oldest guest I've had on the podcast so far. What? Yeah. Are there any certain insights that you could share, like being someone who has gone through, I guess, longer of a journey? I don't know how to say that. But any specific insights maybe to women around your age or or maybe a little bit older that, that might be feeling like, okay, well, this is just that new generation's problem, right? Like, there's no way we could have struggled with it. Anything that you can say to them? Just, this
1: isn't a new thing. You know, that's a really, really good question. And it's a little bit intimidating too, because... Gosh, let me think about that for a yeah, second. Yeah, you're
0: fine. Take your time. No worries. Um,
1: this, this isn't a new thing. And... My biggest, I guess my biggest thing that I would want to offer others is just to have compassion for anyone who's struggling with it. But also if there are the women my age, because again, I I sometimes think like you guys, because I'm about what, 10 years older than you almost, like your generation and younger, you guys are so strong and so open. And I love that. My generation, we're a little bit more open than like our parents were, but Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of shame, I think, surrounding it that people don't want to talk about. And so I just... My biggest takeaway would be to have compassion if someone tells you that they are struggling or they have struggled and don't see it as a moral failing on on others because it's not. Again, it's a weakness and it doesn't change who that person is as a person, if that makes sense. I don't even know if that like answers at all or even close. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, that was beautiful. And no, I 100% agree and I love you say it doesn't change who they are as a person because... That I think is one of Satan's biggest attacks is his attacks on our identity,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: if, like my dad, oh, oh my gosh, everyone no- won't know this, but we're recording this on Father's Day, so happy, happy Father's, Father's Day! Day. <laughs> yeah, um, I was thinking but, about
1: that. I was thinking about how special your dad is, and yeah, anyway, yeah.
0: Oh, he's just he's just awesome, and and yeah. So today, especially, I've been thinking about him, but on the episode that I did with him. When I asked him, like, what would you say to a young girl struggling right now? His answer was like, those feelings that you're getting from viewing this pornography, the feelings of fear and of shame, they are not you. And that's how he put it. And I was like, so it's so true because it's so hard to not tie those back to our our identity. But Mm -hmm. but it's true. Um, Yeah, I want to. Okay. I want to shift gears just a little bit from that last question. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you think that your relationship with God and especially your understanding of the atonement has changed? Like, what was it as you were first initially, like, I guess, like viewing pornography? And then as you kind of progressed through that, how did it change?
1: Yeah, so when I was little, I always knew God loved us. I knew that Jesus died for us and for our sins, but it wasn't until I started understanding the need to utilize it. So once I, you know, did view pornography and start getting into it deeply, I was like, again, I just didn't want, I didn't want to confront it and I didn't want to use the atonement. I was, I felt too far gone. I felt too ashamed. Part of me felt guilty because in my mind I'm like, oh my gosh, I made Christ suffer. But as I've gotten older, he suffered anyway. And he did it because he loves us so deeply. And once I started to realize that he did it willingly and because he loves us, it was so much easier to utilize that gift. I didn't make Mm -hmm. Christ suffer. He did that anyway. I, he just provided the way for me to be able to feel clean and feel peaceful and happy. Um... So my understanding of the atonement has changed quite a bit. I've also realized it's not a one and done thing. I think that the first time I met with my bishop before my mission, I was like, cool. I repented and I am done. I'm never going to deal ever again with this. I am so good to go. I felt so excited. And I had felt like I really had felt that that changed my heart. And then I came home and I realized, oh, I'm going to have to continue this forever, which is something I should have learned on my mission, (laughs) but I don't think it quite, again, clicked until I was home and having, again, to utilize it more fully. And so it's something I have to use every single day. Every single day, I take an inventory of myself. How are you doing? How are you feeling? And then I utilize that with therapy, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> but the, in conjunction, I've just come to realize the love that, that Christ has. He He never abandoned me at any point. It was always me distancing myself from him. And he was patient and he was loving and he was there when I was ready. And he would have been there the, he would have been there at the very first time and he was, but he would have taken me in had I let him from the very first moment.
0: Oh, wonderful. And I can like, I love that your view of the atonement has changed of something that you might have to use just in those certain scenarios to something that like you get to use every single day. And I think that, I mean we hear like daily repentance, right? And we see it as this thing that, okay, we'll just check that off at the end of the day once we get all of those mistakes checked off and you know, let the atonement take care of them, we'll be good. When we see it as kind of like a burden, right, sometimes. But like think of the alternative. Like if if there was nothing to save me from all of my sins and weaknesses that is a brutal life to live and there's no growth in that and that genuinely like terrifies me and so like wonder what a wonderful thing that we have this power source to just draw on all of the time uh i in one of my classes brad wilcox was talking and he was talking about how a lot of times we look at these analogies of the atonement and we look at it as like maybe a ladder or as an eraser or something to get us out of a dark spot or to erase our, our sins. And he's like, the most accurate analogy of the atonement is a battery or a power source. And I was like, oh, that's so beautiful because like we we should draw from it all the time. And it's a constant power source. It's not just this thing to to cross off those those bad marks on our record, right? Not a finish line. Right. Oh, amen. Not a finish line. That's beautiful. One of my favorite quotes, it says, I bear testimony that you cannot sink farther than the light and sweeping intelligence of Jesus Christ can reach. I bear testimony that as long as there is one spark of the will to repent and to reach, he is there. He did not just descend to your to your condition he descended below it that he might be in and all through and through all things the light of truth and i love that so much and it's like he descended below it and he's it's happened it's already happened and so it's up to us to to take advantage of it yeah Oh, I love it. It's just... so
1: beautiful. It, well, it kind of makes me think I just, I kind of got a visual that was so beautiful when you talked about it being like a battery. And it, it made me think about the opposite of shame is connection. Mm. I mean, what do you do with batteries? You have to connect it to something. You have to oh. put it in, plug it in. And so when we plug ourselves into the Savior and into his atonement, we constantly have that power source flowing from him to us and us to him. And it just creates healing and it creates power within us. And I oh. love that so much. That was Just goosebumps, girl. That was
0: beautiful. (gasps) Goosebumps for me too. I've never drawn that that connection. That was like wonderful. I like. I don't record video for these, but my mouth was like just gaping open during that. That was
1: so beautiful. That's the atonement right there. That is the beauty and the power of the atonement.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. When you connect, like it's a battery source you're connecting to. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Oh, beautifully put. Draw that out,
1: give it to your young women. Seriously. The
0: battery and save your new. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, well, I guess. Okay, first, I have to ask is there anything that you feel like you're dying to share or you haven't gotten? To talk about before we jump into the last two questions sometimes it comes out in the last two questions
1: not that i can think of yeah we'll just go to the last few questions
0: (laughs) perfect okay awesome well then first of the last two questions what what keeps you on the front lines in the war against pornography
1: i look at my little children's faces my two beautiful little babies i have a son like i said who's four and my daughter is 18 months and I look at them and all that they're going to have to deal with, and I don't, I don't want them to feel the pain and the sadness that I had to, to go through. And I, they're probably going to, unfortunately, at least to some, to some degree, in some capacity, whether it's struggling with pornography, whether it's struggling with their worth, whatever it be. But just looking at them and knowing the pain that comes from, you know, having a weakness of this caliber it makes me want to continue to fight. I want to be worthy of having the spirit in my life so I can best teach them and teach others. I want them to have an example of a healthy mother and I want them to know that they are always loved and pornography does not create love. And so I just, that's kind of what keeps me going. And I know that's such a mom answer, but it's true. (laughs) They're, they're the reasons I keep, I fight every day against pornography. They, they, They need that example and they deserve someone who can help them combat it as well so that they don't have to feel that pain and that sadness.
0: Mm, Wonderful. I love it. And we need more people like that. I really appreciate that that answer. And I think it's awesome that you recognize like, and yeah, like most likely they're going to have to go through hard things, but I love that you recognize like I'm going to be there for them and I'm going to be that example and I'm going to be that supporting role and just that that foundation that rock for them to come back to and lean on I love it okay last question you mentioned a couple times throughout the podcast and you said if I could just tell 14 year old Hannah or 11 year old Hannah or 16 year old Hannah just these things and so the question is phrased what would you say to a young girl struggling right now but what would you say to maybe 11 or 16 year old Hannah
1: what I would tell myself is what I would tell any other girl. First and foremost, you are a daughter of God. And whether or not you struggle with pornography and feel engulfed in that, it's it does not change your worth as his daughter. He will never stop loving you, and he will never stop offering you the love and the support that you need so that you can overcome your weakness. Another thing that I would tell them, and I think that a lot of people, a lot of girls don't get told this enough, is that you're not going to lose out on blessings just because you're struggling with this. Like, I would sometimes cry at night because I was like, I'm not going to be worthy of finding a husband. I won't be worthy of children. I won't be worthy of a mission. That was like my biggest thing for a long time. I, you know, all these things are, oh my goodness, if I'm not perfect all the time, then I'm going to miss this opportunity to serve this person. You know, there are so many things and I just want to tell them that's not the case. You always want to strive towards worthiness, but you're also not going to miss out on blessings because of a weakness that you have. Mm-hmm. God's watching out for you. And as long as you're prepared to do what you can to become closer to him and to utilize the atonement, he's going to be right there and you're never going to blow your chances of the blessings he has in store for you. Mm. That's my biggest takeaway. And I yeah. wish that some people had told me that myself when I was younger, maybe it would have made it easier to overcome these struggles.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad you included that last part. You're not going to miss it on blessings. I have heard that from so many. I mean, i I felt that way too. I was like, well, yeah, like everybody else like is, is going to go find a husband, right? And that'll do just fine. But if my husband ever finds out about this, no, that's never going to happen, right? It's just I've got to keep it locked away. But yeah, it's true. I love how much you've talked about like weaknesses into strengths this episode. And it just makes me think of my favorite scripture in the world, Ether twelve twenty seven.
1: If I ever got tattoos, that's what I would get tattoos. Yeah. For.
0: <laughs> that's, that's a good answer. Like when people like that's always just a conversation starter. It's like Oh, if you ever got a tattoo, where'd you get it, and what what would you get? And mine are always lame. I'm like, I don't know. I'd get like a flower, but that's pretty good. it's scripture, 12
1: 27 on my wrist. I'd
0: exactly, say. <laughs> exactly. Well, perfect. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it because now we, we can't just say that and then not read it. <laughs> exactly. It's one of the most beautiful verses, in my opinion. It says, "And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness that they may be humble." And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, I will make weak things become strong unto them. I love it. I so Power. And I think you are a walking testament of weak things becoming strong. And so I thank you so much for having the bravery, the courage and just the power that you have brought, I'm so excited for this to be released and for people to be able to to listen to it. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for
1: having me. It's Absolutely. I it gets easier to share my story every time. So good.
0: Yeah, share that is story. true. <laughs> that is true. And thank you so much, everyone for listening. If you have a story to share, please reach out to me on Instagram at sisters on the front lines or via email at sisters on the front lines at gmail.com. Um, Please remember, you are loved, your weaknesses can become strengths, and you are not going to miss out on blessings. Just hold true to Jesus Christ and connect with someone. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and give the podcast a rating on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify so we can reach more young women, parents, and leaders. And until next episode, keep up the good fight on the front lines. That was so good.